Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim Vibe podcast. My name is Afra Mansour and I am the deputy editor of the Muslim Vibe. Today I am joined by Salim Qasim, the chief editor of the Muslim Vibe, and Zuhra Kaku, the founder and editor of Halal Gems, a digital magazine. Now, for those of you that uh, have been living under a rock, or maybe haven't seen Twitter or Facebook or any form of social media, um, what has recently come up is the latest documentary from BBC, Muslims Like Us. Um, it's garnered quite a lot of interest and debate, and uh, hopefully we'll be discussing it in today's podcast. So, uh, ladies, gents, salam alaikum. Was that for us? Ladies that was, and that was you guys. You're the, the lady, lady, and lady and gent. <laughs> yeah, you know what I meant. Well, to our audience, ladies and gents, salam alaikum. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> well, um, yeah, for, for those of you that haven't seen it, um, I think we should be calling it Humans Like Us because it's such a diverse group of people. Zohar, could you tell us a bit more about the documentary, please? Sure. So uh, the idea is having 10 Muslims in a house and it's quite a diverse range of people. So um, 10, 10 people, five men, five women. The oldest was 76, I think, and the youngest was 23. So a good sort of range of ages and backgrounds. And the idea was to um, live in a house for 10 days and just kind of see what happened. Yeah, I mean, they have they had uh, quite a mix, sorry. There was the uh, the liberal, the gay, the extremist, the single, the married, the convert, the Sunni, the Shia. So it's, what what I liked about the show, I love how I had to think about that, what I enjoyed about the show is the fact that there was such a diverse range. So that's, that was something that um, was definitely a thumbs up from my end, to be honest. Yeah, and I guess the thing is that we're all, um, it's funny, because you can kind of put a label on each person, I suppose, but um, every single one of those individuals is so much more than one label. Yeah. So the gay Muslim is so much more than a gay Muslim. He's an amazing cook, for example. And um, so I think it's really, well, part of the whole message of the show, I think, is, is looking at people and kind of saying, well, maybe you shouldn't just label them something. So even just labeling someone a Muslim, we're not a monolithic community. Mm. And so it's about sort of questioning those stereotypes. But with, with the show, um, you speak about stereotypes, and I think there were some very stereotypical kind of characters in the house. Would you say that, you know, by picking 10 Muslims and having one character that was, you know, a very sort of hardline conservative um, uh, Salafi Muslim, do you think that's representing that, you know, t- to the outside world, that one in 10 Muslims is like that? Um. I don't think that's what the producers were going for. So I don't think it was a sort of, um, you know, having one out of 10 people there doesn't mean that one in 10 people have those views, I suppose. And the thing is, you're never going to get a bunch of people who completely represent Muslims in the UK. I mean, there are 2.7 million of us. And I don't think you could even think of one single person who could represent Muslims. So, I mean, really, if you can think of it now, who is one person who can represent the whole Muslim community? You can't really do that. And so I guess what they tried to do was to have um, a point of view from as many different backgrounds as possible. And I guess the thing about that view is that it does exist. So um, it was it's either do you ignore it or do you acknowledge it exists? And I think that's what they did. It does, but I think at the same time, I mean, there is, there is the far left, there's the far right, thinking about the Muslim spectrum here, and then there's a whole bunch of people in the middle. So I was talking to Afra earlier, and we were saying Mehreen, for example, from the show, um, I always have to think submarine and then her name because that's how she introduced <laughs> herself. Um, she was like, a, I think, a great example of the kind of the everyday Muslim that you have, where you know, mm. outwardly you might think, oh, look, she doesn't represent Islam in that she, you know, wears a lot of makeup and dresses the way she does, but she seemed to be one of the most level-headed people in the house, and like in terms of her beliefs, you know, she, she did maintain the the daily prayers and whatever else, and. 
like I think there are a lot more people in the middle of that spectrum rather than the extremes. And it was just it was almost an issue because then you know you had you had the far right and then on the far left you had the same thing where you had the people who were like they they didn't agree with the sort of core tenets of the faith. Um, and still identified as, Muslim, as Muslims, which is a, an entirely different discussion. Yeah. But still, it's just for me, it's a bit problematic that that's how we're representing Muslims outwardly. And I, I understand that's not what the BBC are trying to do, but that's how yeah. it obviously comes across. So two things on that. One is I don't think they were trying to, um, as far as I understand it, it wasn't about trying to represent Muslims. It's, it wasn't about trying to say these are the types of Muslims you can encounter. It was just these are some of the people you might encounter. So I think that's that's one thing. But the other thing is, um, in terms of belief, I think that's really interesting because probably most people feel that they're moderate. So people on the left probably feel that they're moderate. People on the right probably feel that they're moderate. Yeah. Um, I think the point is everyone thinks that they're in the middle of the road, which is a really interesting place to come from because if you take the example of Marine, for example, and I think Marine's one of the best, one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Uh, she's fantastic. And um, if you take that and think, actually, don't judge a book by its cover, and um, you, like you said, you might look at her and think actually she's not a particularly practicing Muslim. Even that, you know, what does practicing even mean? So, for example, if I pray but I don't eat halal meat, is that practicing? If I, you know, you can take as many sort of core tenets, and even that idea of core tenets, you can take as many of those as you want and put them into different combinations, and that's what you get with a bunch of different Muslims. So, any sort of group of Muslims. You get people who drink and people who don't drink and people who pray and people who don't pray. I guess the point is that we are um, not a monolithic community. We do lots of things and we don't do lots of things. And my God, we're all flawed. Yeah. But we're all just people at the end of the day. I mean, I, I really want to know, like, what were your thoughts going into the show? Like, what was your aim to come out of this? So I didn't. It was a really interesting one, actually. So I was the last person recruited for the show, and it was just a few weeks before the show um, actually was filmed. And um, the decision to kind of go into the house was really interesting because um, I was talking to one of the producers for maybe three hours on the phone, just generally talking about kind of my ideas and beliefs and things like that. And um, I remember saying something about how Muslims need to kind of stand up and when there is an opportunity, particularly when it comes to media, we moan about the media so much, but then actually do we... When someone says, oh, come take part in this, uh, we will just say no. And it was really funny because I was saying this in a sort of general context. And at the end of the conversation, she said, so would you consider doing a show and explain the show? And so I thought, crap, I've just been <laughs> against you. She's <laughs> <laughs> using my own. And I sort of did it to myself. Um, but um, I think that is important because there were people. So, for example, I read uh, on Twitter somewhere, somebody said, um, why didn't they represent uh, a black Muslim woman? And then the other day I was interviewed by a black Muslim woman who said they approached me for the show and I said no. And I thought it was really interesting because I guess you don't really sort of see that sort of background and the work that went into finding yeah. 10 people that they think uh, would be a good idea to share house. And one of the things that one of the producers was saying is that they were recruiting in a place where, um, in places where it wasn't about trying to find people who were looking for limelight. So they didn't open a call for kind of people, participants. They just kind of went to people who would normally run a mile the other way. So that's quite good. But going into the house, I basically just had a bit of an open mind. So I had no agenda, really. For me, it was just, okay, I'm going to spend 10 days with some interesting people. I'm just going to relax. York is beautiful. It's going to be sunny. And um, let's just sort of see what happens. So I went in there with a really open mind and not really wanting to communicate any particular message, really. Can I ask on that note of, of spending 10 days in the house, 
obviously on the show you don't see anyone with their mobile phones and, and personally without Candy Crush for 24 hours I, I would really <laughs> struggle now now when you weren't when you know when you weren't filming what, what did you like how, were you able to talk to your families and things like that um not really so the commitment was sort of 10 days so I had to do a bit of work before just making sure that I could leave work for 10 days and things like that yeah. and I guess my family so we weren't really supposed to tell anyone anything so we um, my family and close friends knew but that's it and so um, I just sort of put an out of office on and that's kind of just left so it at just that completely but, off the um, yeah but um, yeah I guess I guess um, I've completely forgotten your question now <laughs> no, it's just about communication and, and me needing candy crush. Right, that's it. So, um, so being without your phone uh, is a bit weird. Yeah. Um, I have to say, like, I definitely had withdrawal symptoms. But the, I suppose the thing is, at the beginning, you've got nine new people that you've never met. It's a bit of a weird situation. So one of the things I found quite weird was there were a bunch of people with cameras and a bunch of runners right behind the people with cameras, and you have to completely ignore them. And it's really weird because I felt really rude because there are people there and I'm kind of thinking, you know, have they had lunch? Are they okay? Are they too hot? Make and, them a um, plate. Yeah, and you can't really... Seriously, we, we tried so many times to make them a plate, but it just that's not how it works. Do they just the keep house. walking back and so you're just constantly walking towards the camera? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Taking food. But Yeah, and, and you know, like I guess all of us were quite kind of hospitable that way and so it was... Um, I think that was really weird. Like, so it just felt rude ignoring people. Yeah. But I guess you get used to that. But what I'm trying to say, I guess, is in the first couple of days, just getting used to all of that took a lot of sort of mental energy, I suppose. So, um, so I didn't really miss the phone too much. I definitely, at some point, when I had a really tough day on day six, I definitely thought to myself, I'd really love to call home right now. And then, um, and then thought, actually, if I called home, I'd just cry, and that's really annoying. So I'm not going to do that. So, so I thought, I don't want my phone today. I'm I'm going to assume that day six was uh, the day of Abdul Haq's comments with yourself, the conversation um, yeah. that we saw. So I'm just going to ask you a question about that. I mean, I, I'm sure he's not the first um, to mention such a thing. It's it's you hear it quite often, especially if you're on social media that you know the Shia, the Kufar, or the whatever are this and whatever are that. I mean, is this something that you've never heard before? Like, it's, it seemed like it really struck you, you know, it really struck a nerve, and, and rightly so. But is this something that you've never actually heard before? Um, yeah, I know it sounds... Um, well, it's an interesting one, because there's so many views online, and I guess I feel like, particularly Twitter trolls, it's just, you know, you're arguing with an egg. I've never felt like <laughs> there was a point. And um, I guess I'd seen these things online before. I'd seen them maybe published in print a few times um, through university, maybe... But um, I'd never come across a human being in person in front of me who thinks it's okay for people to kill other people. I don't think I've ever met someone like that. So it wasn't even about the sheer thing or what they believe or don't believe. It was about a man in front of me who says it's okay to kill someone. That really, really, it just distressed me. Yeah. I saw some, I saw some people discussing, obviously, that, that part of the show online yesterday. Um, and, and they were saying that they like I think people wanted you to kind of explain your ideology and, and kind of fight back um, not for, you know you know because I think the issue is that obviously there's this huge misconception amongst um, certain madhabs about others and and people believing others are not Muslim etc and sometimes you know you just need to meet someone face to face now I, I don't know if if you had a conversation with them about this afterwards or whatever else but what was there a chance to kind of discuss the ideological differences and and come to some form of, of understanding? Um, I think with Abdul Haq, 
that's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. So for me, I, I understand that for somebody else, maybe what they would do is, is try and say, okay, so for example, the thing that Abdul Haq said was that uh, she has believed in another prophet after the prophet, which is clearly not true. Yeah. And I guess uh, for somebody else, it would be, the right thing to do would be to say, actually, no, we don't, and this is what it's but about. At, at that moment, that last thing, at that moment, did you not think, let me just clarify this one point? Um, that conversation had so many things um, that he had said where I thought this is absolutely ridiculous that actually clarifying one point was almost entirely useless. It's a bit of a drop in the ocean, really. Yeah. But um, for me, my approach was really to question his source. So um, I, would just, I was just asking him questions about, you know, what does that mean? For me, I think the way that I sort of like to argue things mm. or um, interact is to understand where someone's coming from first. So I asked him a lot of questions, and um, I know a few of them uh, came across on television, but I asked him lots and lots of questions. And I think, really, if you look back at that conversation on the show, it's um, Abdul Haq saying things and me asking him questions. He doesn't really ask me questions that much. But, um, mm. but I think that's just my general approach, and I understand that it's a different approach to sort of challenging the, the facts. But the thing is, with Abdul Haq, so if you remember at the beginning of the first episode, when we first came into the house, he my had this piece scene, of paper. My favorite scene yeah. ever. <laughs> that, was, that was such enjoyable TV. I honestly, I can't, I can't even, I can't. Just. It was, it was odd. Um, um, so we had this piece of paper, and the piece of paper detailed a bunch of, um, you know, what, what he calls uh, evidence, right? So evidence from the divine texts, which is uh, from the Quran and the Hadith. And the thing is. So he's uh, giving you a piece of paper, and it's got, let's say, 10 things on it, and it's got, you know, this is from this ayah, this is from this hadith, or whatever that is. I can't actually remember whether he'd attributed it, so for example, which book of hadith did it come from? I don't know if he'd actually put that in there. Maybe he had, but the point is, I don't think taking those 10 things and um, arguing each one with him in terms of the source and whether it was a good idea or not, is um, or whether it was relevant or something that you need to listen to or not really worked. So with that, I had kind of spoken to him about that before, and um, I didn't feel like I got anywhere. And I guess for me, it wasn't about arguing the facts; it was about arguing the intention. Yeah. So if you think, and there are misconceptions out there, of course there are. So if you think that Shias believe X, Y, Z, that's interesting. It's just that's a kind of you need to be informed. Whereas with Abdul Haq, it was about the intention. It was about okay. So even if there is someone who believes that there's another prophet after the prophet, how is it okay to kill them? That was that was kind of my... That's what was worrying me. Yeah, I understand. Now, um, there are quite a few interesting things that, you know, for me personally, got I really had to think about. I mean, one of them was how a majority of British people feel like Muslims don't integrate. Um, but then at the same time, the first chance you guys, you know, as a group got to do that, you know, you have Bara with the EDL guy or, or Nebi at the food drive and things like that. I just felt like... I mean, isn't that the essence of integration, to, to go out and to speak to people? I mean, do you feel that's the case? Um, yeah, absolutely. I suppose um, there were lots of moments in the show that which kind of uh, demonstrate that. And I think it was Saba maybe, who said something about, right at the beginning, about being neighbourly. Yeah. And uh, Nabil also said the same thing, yeah. or a similar thing about being neighbourly. And, and um, absolutely, it's about going out there and doing things. And I think Muslims already do that. So this idea of integration, I feel like it's already happened and I'm not really sure there's much point sort of discussing it that much but more. We, we kind of exist, we, we're here, we do things and we're just sort of part of society just like our neighbours are. Do you think though, and again this is something we were discussing, we should probably should have turned the, the, the mic on, the mic like, on us, all day to be fair in the office, we've been talking about all of these kind of things. But I think that there's this obsession with, with Muslims in the UK and 
you know, I, the question they asked about are you British first or Muslim first, that's, that's not an easy question. You know, identity and self-understanding and awareness is one of those things that I think everybody struggles with throughout their lives. Mm. You know, everyone has this issue. And for, for me as a Muslim, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to be uncomfortable about the balance between being British and Muslim. Everyone else is. So I, you know, I couldn't conceive a show like called Jews like us or Hindus like us, Buddhists like us, even Christians like us, because it, it just sounds a bit weird and it's a bit jarring. But when you say Muslims like us, it's like yeah, you know, why not? Let's have let's put ten Muslims in a house and let's just see where they stand on on issues that everyone is dealing with in their lives. And I think it's it's for me it's it's a bit frustrating. I whilst I really enjoyed the show and I found it quite entertaining. And, and enlightening as well. I think it's just frustrating that we live in a time when having a show like this is, is acceptable for Muslims, but not it wouldn't be for other races, or sorry, for other religions, I don't feel, anyway. Yeah. Um, do, I mean, what do you think about that? Do you agree, please? Um, <laughs> please, please agree with me. Uh, <laughs> That's an interesting one, because I think, so some of the things that I've read on Twitter, for example, um, I mean, Twitter really is like a bucket of madness, but, um, but some of the things I've read on there, uh, um, for example, Christians saying we want a Christians like us, or um, there was a, an atheist guy who said I want an atheist like us. And it's interesting because I guess in terms of representation and how people are viewed in the media, I mean, there is clearly, I think, there is an issue in terms of um, how Muslims are represented in the media. And I think um, you see that agenda when you see ridiculousness like the articles that came out in the Daily Mail before the show had even aired saying there's this guy who's basically a terrorist and he gets a two-hour rant. It's like, did you read what the show was about? It says there are 10 Muslims in house, so how is it going to be a two-hour rant? It makes no sense at all. <laughs> so I do agree that there's a problem uh, when it comes to Muslims being represented in the news. Um, but in terms of um, identity and who we are and things like that, I guess everyone sees that very differently. And you already saw in the answer to that question when um, the show was going on, where someone said, you know, I'm British first, someone else said I'm Muslim first, and I said I can't even answer that question because I'm both, and I don't really think about which one goes first and which one goes second. To me, it's um, a lot more sort of practical than that. So it's about, um, you know, are you... I guess to me it's all about believing and doing good deeds. Yeah. And so as long as you're doing that, I kind of feel like I don't really care if I'm British first or Muslim first or Asian first or female first. Yeah, I'm but just me and I'm just doing good things. What I'm hopefully. saying is the issue is that as a Muslim, we're forced to answer these questions. The fact that someone's asking you that question is is my concern. Like, what what business yeah. is it to anyone how you identify yourself? If you identify, as you rightly said, as female or Asian first, you're both. But yeah, no one, no one allows yeah. us to be that. That's what my that concern is. That I'll agree is. with you on, for sure. I guess okay, so, I, I don't know whether other faiths get asked that, and I imagine I'm probably right in saying that they don't. Yeah. So, so to yeah. cut a long answer short, you agree with me. That I agree with you on, me. for sure. 100%. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of my favourite lines, actually, from the entire show, if I'm going to be completely honest, is one that Nabil said, and I think this is something that I'm going to, like, at the BBC when I say this. It's, he says, if in doubt, don't be a ding-dong. And I've kind of rephrased that one. <laughs> and you know what? I think out of everything that I've learned from the show, from, I don't know, maybe working in, in some form of social media myself, is that there's a lot of things that, that you just should and shouldn't do. And I feel like um, this show really crossed a lot of boundaries in the sense that it allowed... So it's kind of like airing dirty laundry of one of one set group of people and just saying, you know what, here it is on a plate condensed into two hours. I just felt like it was too much. I mean, do you think it would have been better if it had been um, elongated maybe or maybe less people? What do you think? 
Um, I'm not really sure because I guess um, I'm just a participant and uh, or a contributor and um, I guess in terms of the format and why it was 10 people and why it was two hours I'm not really sure and I'm mm. not sure whether that's something to do with the way television is made or I'm not I mean I guess that's a question for the producers of the show so I'm not really sure in terms of whether it could have or should have been any different yeah. um, I guess what I do know is that um, I'm glad they made it even though uh, some people might feel it's uncomfortable to watch, I think the big thing is that the stories were told with integrity. Mm. So I feel like that, you know, yeah, there were some really awful kind of, you know, nail-biting moments where you look at things like what's happening with sectarianism or racism or, or misogyny even, like lots of things. Um, but at the end of the day, they were all things that happened and they were all things that the Muslim community does have to deal with, as with every other community. And I think you're right in that, you know, I remember Humera talking about her experience um, online of, of facing Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, there were some, some fantastic stories told. But reflecting back, you know, yourself, when you watched the show, having filmed it, I guess, in the summer, and then coming back and seeing a two-hour edit of 10 days, <laughs> uh, do you think it, it adequately or appropriately represented the experience? I think so. So, um Really, the first thought I had when I saw it, so I saw it maybe three weeks before it went out, and um, the first thought I had was that the stories were told with integrity. So although obviously things were cut out because there's just not enough time, it's 10 days and two hours, as you said, um, it, it I think it told the stories well, and I felt like it was a good representation of, of what happened in the house. Um, I don't know if everybody agrees with that, but I thought it did. Uh, one thing that I thought was different, um, so... I think when I left the house, I thought, my goodness, like, there was a lot of negativity in there, and I wonder if the show's going to be overwhelmingly negative. Mm-hmm. And I felt when I watched the show that it was intense. My God, it was intense. Both episodes are really intense, but actually it's quite funny. There are some moments of real humour there, and I think almost everyone has a bit in there where you're just absolutely laughing, like crying with laughter, which is great. So I'm glad that they kind of made it intense, but also show the funny side of things too. Um, so I, I'm I'm going to kind of pick on our own editor here um, with a question because I, I don't know if you know Zahra, but um, Salim was actually approached about this show um, a while back. Um, I just want to know Salim, like in retrospect, would you go back? Would you do this show if you had the chance? So what happened? What happened with that was <laughs> I was approached by a friend um, who said they were looking for someone to to be on this show. Um, I spoke to one of the producers and they kind of pitched me the idea and whatever. And then I think I told them I'll, I'll like let them know after the weekend or whatever. Then on Monday, um, she called me and she said they were actually just looking for a female. They had one spot left and they were looking for a female. Um, and so I I helped by kind of giving their, giving the producer some people's numbers and email addresses and stuff. Um, and... No one, interestingly, like what you were saying earlier, Zora, is that you know no one actually took up the opportunity. They felt like it was necessary that their voice and, and their kind of perspective should be represented. But when push came to shove, there was a million and one excuses not to do it. You know, that's really interesting um, because um, a few weeks ago I was in a Times article and I was talking to the journalist Casually who, in the Times article. You know, as you do. You read it? Every <laughs> yeah, you know, just kind of on a, Friday, on a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah but, with, um, with a cigar in was, one hand. I was talking and... to the journalist on the Friday night, and um, and he called, and we had a good long chat. We, had, uh, we did the interview over the phone, and um, he said, you know, people are always telling me 
that I should um, include more Muslim voices. But I have to tell you, you're the seventh person I've called and the only one who wants to go on record. Yeah. And I thought that's really interesting. And of course, I will. and I know it was nothing to do with Islam specifically. It was about um, being middle class, basically. Um, but I thought it was important because, of course, we should. We can't moan about we're never in the media and that we don't go and do things when people ask us to. So, um, so I think we need to help journalists who are trying to include stories as yeah. well. It was the same with me. I, I mean, when when I did think for a brief moment that they wanted me on the show, which turns out they didn't. Um, oh, I, <laughs> Producers, if you're listening, you must start man. I, I I did think that it would it would it would be really daunting, and I wouldn't want to watch myself back and things like that. But at the same time, you know, if if my voice is not represented and and people like me, then who else is going to do it? And I think you know you did a you did a fantastic job of of representing sorry of representing the the sort of um, normal muslim voice um because because I, you know you know with any sort of tv they are going to get people on the extremes in there um and those are the ones that kind of make the headlines that that make people cry and whatever else but you need the normal people to just be like look i'm xyz person i represent these these sets of beliefs and i'm just a normal everyday muslim um and i think you know th- there were enough of you in the house as well that for me personally it was overall i think there were there were good bits and bad bits i think we as a as a global ummah, if I can use that word, <laughs> looked really bad um, at certain times, like the arguing that was going on in the house when when there were guests in the house. Forget the fact they were non-Muslims; there were guests, you know, to the house, and and they had to kind of slyly leave out of the back. You know, one guy was scared to get his bag from inside. Poor Tom. <laughs> I feel yeah, I feel really sorry for him. But um, but I mean that's the unfortunate reality that you know I think we we do fundamentally have a lot within ourselves a lot of issues and whatever else that we need to work out but at the same time I think a lot of there was a lot of positive there It's really interesting you say that actually because um in terms of the negativity I think it was about day 2 when uh we had an argument about um who to pray for after prayer first so you know how after you pray, you can kind of pray for you know particular groups of people or whatever you want to. You make dua for whatever you want. Mm. And um, I remember there, there being an argument about somebody wanted to pray for I don't know the, the people from the terrorist attack in Nice, and then somebody else wanted to pray for I don't know who. Basically, there was an argument about it. And at that point, I remember thinking, my God, I can't believe we're arguing about who to pray for first. And because um, it's just a ridiculous argument, just pray for everybody, do it in whatever order you want to. The point is, you're praying. I don't think God particularly cares who you prayed for first or second or third. Mm. And so um, it was it was quite weird that we were arguing so much. But I guess when I thought about it afterwards, so working in the halal food industry, for example, we found 52 different authorities that can certify halal in the UK. 52. So just think about that for a minute. There are not 52 different ways of slaughtering an animal halal. And um, it's mainly politics. It's mainly someone has created a certification label and then someone else says actually I disagree with you I'm making a new one someone else disagrees with that person makes a new one and it gets all a little bit out of hand and I think if we're honest sometimes and this is not a specifically Muslim problem it's just kind of communities there are politics and people argue and in any mosque committee youth committee any sort of committee thing that you go to people argue and that's kind of what happened and we were 10 people who'd never met before so it wasn't even like we had a particular, apart from being Muslim, we didn't have a particular kind of thing in common like that that would mean that we would work particularly well together. And I think one thing that did, um, I guess, sadden me a little bit is at the end of the day, one thing we do have in common as Muslims is we're supposed to have really good akhlaq. And I think sometimes that standard kind of slipped a little bit and we're yeah. supposed to have, treat each other really nicely and 
you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. And um, and I guess the thing is, you know, when people are tired, when it's the middle of the night, you get a bit tetchy, it kind of happens. But um, I guess it would have been nice to have a bit more o'clock in there. I think that's actually really profound in that you're right, you know, we're always going to disagree over over who should be the successor of the Prophet, how we should pray, whatever. But akhlaq is universal, you know, just having good manners and treating each other well is, is, a, is a universal quality we should all share. And I think one that we should probably end on as well. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sahara. Um, it, it's okay. been great. Uh, thank you for taking part in this initiative and for actually joining us on the Muslim Vibe podcast. Thanks for having me. No, at all. Thank you. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Um, we look forward to your thoughts and feedback and hopefully some suggestions for our next topics. You can do so by emailing us on editor at themuslimvibe.com. Don't forget to connect on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and of course, subscribing to our podcast. Until next time, Salaamu Alaikum.